In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Welcome to Broads and Books, the podcast with one unique theme, four handpicked book recommendations, and two broads. I'm Amy. And I'm Erin. And this is episode number seven, Misery Loves Company. These are the books that leave you feeling down and perhaps even depressed. There's no happy endings here, no perfect solutions, none of that. No, no. All of our picks this week are books to read if you're depressed and want to stay that way, Mm -hmm. frankly. And sometimes you do. Sometimes you do. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to live in it. Just need to wallow. Yes. Yes. And I have to say that it was a little easier to come up with these picks. Me too. I thought this was going to be difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. But it also made me want to do all my sad things. Mm, so mm-hmm. it made me think, Amy, do you have anything in particular when you're sad or feeling down that you do to like stay in it? Like I'm not yeah. ready to give this up right. yet. Like I just want to yeah. get down in it and stay there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yes, I will watch some David Fincher movies mm. like Seven, Fight Club. <gasps> that stuff oh, is depressing. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that'll keep you there. Yeah. Seven in particular. Oh, yeah. Terrifying. Right? Yes. Okay. Um, kind of along that same vein, Paul Thomas Anderson movies like Magnolia, Boogie mm-hmm. Nights. Those are not happy films. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. entertaining, but mm-hmm. they'll keep you down in the dumps. Okay. Okay. Um, also, uh, I like to read some dystopian fiction or yeah. the news, which increasingly feels like dystopian fiction. Yeah, that can be a bummer. Those two things will keep me down in the dumps. They'll let me wallow a little bit. Oh, all right. I like yeah. that. I what like about that. you? Well, um, as as we've learned in other things. I do like to listen to songs on repeat. Mm, so yes. often like a really, you know, kind of depressing, sad song. Like mm-hmm. I have like a general playlist and I'll play it in the car. And you know, when you're like feeling good, you're like, nah, skip that song right now. But when I'm sad, I'm like, oh yeah, that's my that's jam. The one. Yeah, I'm just going to mm-hmm. listen to it for six hours. <laughs> when you listen to it, do you cry? Do you have like reactions like that? Or um, what? Yeah. I don't think of that. There's usually outward crying in that at that point. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I also like to take a bath, which is I do this no matter what emotions are. Like mm-hmm. I, I enjoy baths as a person. So not just – I don't mean in just getting a clean way. I mean in like a relaxed Yes. Bath. Okay. But sometimes when I'm really sad and then you swallow and then the water's warm and you can just kind of be like, oh my gosh, everything is terrible. <laughs> and then you can kind of get away with extra crying because it's like there's so much steam. There's and so much water already. What's happening? Yeah. Is my eye leaking or am I crying? You, anybody's guess. Yeah. So I do that. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I, with you, I can read like emotional books sometimes during that time. But I will say when I'm sad, I can't get too emotional with like movies or that, or they'll send me over the edge and I can't come back. Me too. I can't yeah. go deliberately sad. I have to Correct. go like dark. I have to mm-hmm. go, you know, grungy. I have to go yes. all of that. Yeah. yeah. Just like too sad is just, mm-hmm. it's going to be too much. Yeah. If it's yeah. like a romantic drama or something, hell no. Mm-mm. Can't do it. Mm-mm. 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 
No. So would you say that there's something you do then when you're ready to be done with that? Like to get yourself out? Definitely. Crawl out of that yeah, sad hole? crawl out of it for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think when I've decided like I'm I'm good and done mm-hmm. with feeling that way, um, I could do a few things. I If it's nice out, I'll go take a walk outside. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that helps just – you know, I work at home for my company and sometimes just getting, staying in my, my house for too long at a time will only exacerbate any sort of, you know, down that Mm -hmm. I'm feeling. Um, I'll watch some good sitcoms, new girl Mm -hmm. parks and rec. Always good to watch some reruns of those. Um, cats on Instagram, as I've established previously, Instagram, I mean, and cats on Instagram, also cats in person. If I put podcast, pot, hmm. podcast, yeah, oh, slip up. If podcast. I put podcast, yeah, on my lap, she'll make me feel better, mm-hmm. whether she wants to or not. Sometimes she's trying to get away. <laughs> I'm like, no, <laughs> let me, let let me love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Forced lovies mm-hmm. can be a good way to get out of sadness. <laughs> <laughs> like I have love to give. Yeah, and you take, gonna it. take it. Yeah, that's also something else I think. But anyway. <laughs> What about you, Erin? You know, a lot of those are similar for me, which is probably why, you know, we get along so well. Mm -hmm. But um, the other one that I would say besides the sitcoms that hit and, uh, you know, fresh air would be, I like to organize things. Oh, So when I'm really feeling good, I'm going to tackle something. Get in it. This corner of the closet, you are done. You are done. (laughs) Out of here. (laughs) Does that involve your label maker? Yes. Getting into it with yes. your label maker. Like I'm okay. a label maker. I probably made a list beforehand oh, of like sure. how my, my strategy, like we're going to start here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have these kind of piles. Oh. This is where this stuff is going. I like to have a clear plan. And God, that's just, gratifying. Get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is great. That is good for getting out of a oh. wow. You know I'm in one too if I'm just like, meh, I don't want to do that. Oh boy. Label maker, meh. No, Has your family come to know these signs? Yeah, I would say Mike probably does sure. real well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. I mean, if, if he sees you with the label maker, he's like, okay, things are good. This is positive. Yeah, things yeah. Are good. But okay. he's also like, oh gosh, <laughs> do we really have to label that? <laughs> we don't know that that's what's in that shoe box. Is shoes really? <laughs> I will say this from experience. I have walked into your garage in the past, and it's boxes upon boxes of labeled items, including individual bins for shoes. Yes. Which yes. just knocked my socks off, I got to say. Yeah. Now, we've since moved from that place. So yes. My shoes are now in a closet, but they're, yeah, they're still mm-hmm. labeled. And there's still things in the garage that are labeled. Well, so, sure. You know. Yeah. That was just one of the first times I think I was at your house. I was like, yeah. this, is, this is revealing yeah, about Aaron's is. character. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. You can't hide. Oh, you just no. have to let it be out there. And why would you hide yeah. it, really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't even feel bad. No. And, you know, in a testament to um, my brother, Reed... He's the one that gave me the label maker. And before he gave it to me, he labeled it with a label that says Aaron's label maker. (laughs) Oh my God. He knows you. I know. It might be in the top 10 of my favorite Christmas gifts ever. Yeah. Oh boy. Pretty great. Kudos to you, Reed. Yeah. Nicely done. Perfect gift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, so, you know, our picks this week are more for the uh, the previous version yes, of depression. Yes. When you don't want to do anything productive, when you don't want to get out of that mood, when you Mm-mm. just want to wallow in it and feel terrible. Awful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our fiction picks this week, mm-hmm. I'll start us off. Yeah. And I've got The Bell Jar by <gasps> Sylvia Plath. Oh. Published 1963. Uh. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. There's a reason this book... And her poetry is classic, mm-hmm. especially for this kind of mood. Mm-hmm. It really um, is. Yeah. And a quick story for listeners, if you don't know about Sylvia Plath, um, she was this incredible, fiery poet and writer. Um, she was depraved, but depraved, really. <laughs> what I was trying to say. Don't, don't go look that up. Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. That was a mashup <laughs> of words. Which I like. Yes. yes. I was trying to say plagued, plagued. by depression. depression. It got smushed. I was like, I don't have enough time for all the words, so I'm just going to smush them together. I like it together, mm-hmm. though. Depraged? Depraged. Great. Yeah. <laughs> As a shorthand, it's just she's depraged. So, yep. So Sylvia Plath, okay. depraged. Mm-hmm. And at the age of 30, shortly after the bell jar came out, um, she put her head in the oven and killed herself. And I remember as a kid when I learned about that, thinking, oh, my God, so she put her head in the oven and burned it off, and that's how she died? <laughs> I didn't understand gas and like poisoning and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, um, 
After she died, her husband, uh, the poet Ted Hughes, reworked the order of the poems in her book, Ariel, uh, and then had it published. And it was kind of interesting, kind of scandalous, because some of the poems dealt with a uh, tyrannical husband uh, and previous father. Um, So there was a lot of thought about like, oh, he's trying to like change how her reception is. He's trying to change her really Mm -hmm. and how she's received. Anyway, so that's a little bit of backstory Mm -hmm. about Sylvia Plath. But here's where it starts is this book. Um, it's sort of a autobiographical novel. Um, it's this really beautiful, haunting, deeply depressing book mm-hmm. about a young woman who seems to have it all, but she's slowly going mad to the mental institute type mad. Mm-hmm. Um, Esther is the main character and she's in college. She's won this contest to intern at a teen magazine. Um, this is in the 1950s. Uh, so they sort of dorm these like dozen or so girls up into like a hotel or into a, you know, a place for young women to be supervised and chaperoned. Mm-hmm. Um, and the magazine, as many still are today, is all about catching that man. Right. You know? Yes. So, and that's also the focus of these young girls because they're in college at a time in which, you know, their parents are sending them basically to find that man, find that husband, and right. settle down. Um, but Esther wants to do other things. She has ambitions. She has needs. She has desires. She doesn't want to just find a man and have children and settle down. Um, and this, you know, sort of troubling desire that doesn't fit with other what other people want is sort of combining with this sort of festering depression that she has. She starts detaching from the world. Um, she feels like she's under a layer of glass, hence the, the bell jar idea. And it worsens until she's attempting suicide. And then she's put into a mental institute for a breakdown. And she's given electroshock therapy. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling depressed, this one will keep you there. Yeah. It's pretty rough. But at the same time, Plath is this incredible writer, and she can sometimes inject this humor into the book that's just so weird and kind of inappropriate in a lot of ways and just wonderful. Um, here's a taste of her tone. She says at one point she's talking to, you know, one of many guys that are sort of trying to get in with these ladies. Mm-hmm. She says, I told him I believed in hell at that certain people like me had to live in hell before they died to make up for missing out on it after death, since they didn't believe in life after death. And what each person believed happened to him when he died. The response from the guy is basically like, what? <laughs> like, huh? What? Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Um, so she's got a, a great voice in the novel. So it, it's actually a very riveting read. It's kind of an easier read than you would anticipate maybe from hearing about what the, the book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, this book was rejected by U.S. publishers at first because it was deemed too juvenile which is hilarious to me. Wow. I think they saw that it dealt with young women and they were like, no, that's oh, not, you know. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, so even more depressing that, that great writing isn't recognized. Yeah. And so lots of reasons to stay depressed. Yeah, that is. By reading the bell lot, There was a lot of layers right so there. So many layers. Yeah. A lot of comments yeah. about I mean, society in mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yes. Depraged. Yeah. Depraged. <laughs> We're, we're going to try and get that in Webster's Dictionary. We're making it a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we should. Yeah. Yeah. So that's me. All right. What do you got? I liked it. All right. My pick is, you know, don't be misled by the title, but it's called I Married You for Happiness by <laughs> Lily Tuck. <laughs> Ooh, so it does sort of a, you know, slap yeah. you on the face. like. Well, yeah. and it's the, so it's the story of Nina and Philip and their 43 year marriage. So, and I'm not, Oof. I'm not giving anything away, but the book opens with this, this line, his hand is growing cold. Still, she holds it. And we find out right away that Nina is in a room holding her dead husband's hand. Ooh. So the whole book takes place over a single night. And it's just this very real, honest look down memory lane. Um, you are just seeing everything from Nina's point of view, all her thoughts, her memories of basically the whole run of their relationship. So you're seeing little like snippets of them at the beginning. And then, you know, she'll, you'll come back to present and then you'll go back into a memory and then back. Uh, but the whole thing, there's no separate chapters. It's all kind of stream of consciousness, stream of thought. Mm. So it really, really makes you feel like you're kind of just floating through her mind, you know, and it, it's very true to the way a mind works, you know, where you're kind of all over the place sometimes, especially maybe in times of crisis, or you can kind of get on a loop. Um, and she's in this really dark moment, and she's remembering all these things. And some of them are 
great memories and some of them aren't, which is what is magical about this book is that you walk away feeling, you know, not that this was some story of a perfect marriage and she's, you know, just all, all it is, is that she's broken up about losing this person. And certainly she is about losing him, but it's more just about this real honest look at a 43 year relationship and what that really means and what those two people really went through, Mm -hmm. um, things that she never told him, um, things that, you know, she wishes she told him things that she did tell him and how that went. I mean, it's just so many things and it's, it's only 190 pages, but you just feel like you've spent all this time with her. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they're, they're not, the memories aren't themselves necessarily so sad. It's just written so vividly that you feel like you're right there with her. So that loss just feels so much more immense. You know, you realizing that she's sitting there with this person that she's talking about just sort of haunts you as you go through each page. So I I didn't necessarily choose it for this thing because the relationship is bad. I think the relationship's just very real and traveling through all the emotions and the personal memories, there's just a lot of ups and downs. And I think that that's the mood fits with just having that kind of melancholy time where maybe you're reflective or you're feeling like I don't, I don't need to be reminded of other people's version of happiness. I need to just live with whatever feeling I'm feeling right now and let that be okay. Um, and I just really think it's much more about how you feel the loss and as though you're with her, I mean, it's kind of empathy on overload. So I think that's why you can empathy, at least for me, a lot of times can translate into that Mm -hmm. feeling of sadness because it feels overwhelming sometimes to really take on other people's feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's really good for people who want a real look at relationship. Um, that's not all bad or not all good. Not, you know, that shiny sparkly, but just real and honest. Um, it's got some really interesting thoughts about afterlife as well. So that's another angle. That's very interesting. I would say it's not good for people. If you struggle with unusual structure or moving quickly between memories and present day, this might throw you off. So it might not be your thing. And also if, uh, death is a trigger for you, it might be something that you want to avoid. But Mm. if those things are not issues for you, I think it's worth it. And even, even if they are, I don't think it's so jarring that you couldn't give it a try. But it's it's really great. It was a really good read. Um, I read it quickly, even though it goes you know through the memories. I mean, that's the kind of the way you ingest it because it's so mm-hmm. you, you don't want to stop. It's hard to find a place to stop because there's no <laughs> chapters, so you just kind of keep going. And yeah, it kind of gives you that. I'm just I'm just here. Yeah. So you said that even though the structure was pretty stream of consciousness back and mm-hmm. forth and everything. It was still a quick read. You were still it following was. it. Well. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. I just, you know, some people don't, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Don't yeah. like the different, I, the, I kind of like, I'm a sucker for different yeah. structure, but I know that that can be a throw off for some mm-hmm. people. So go into it eyes wide open if, you know, just so you have that warning, but yeah, I don't think it's difficult by any means. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can definitely follow where she's going with it, but even the memories jump around in time. Yeah. So it's not very linear in any way. Mm-hmm. So can you imagine you were talking, about the the empathy, you know, um, reading this when you're feeling in a very depressed state and, mm-hmm. and having that empathy. Um, can you imagine what it's like to write this and like sit with this book for maybe however long it took her, like a couple no. years, something like that? No. I wonder how she unwound at the right? end of the day. Yeah, because you really have to be in a certain state to yeah. really look at this in and out. And the fact that it takes place over one day, you know, as a writer, you can't say, oh, I got done with that chapter. We can move on. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, just it just keeps coming. So <laughs> I can't ever let it go. <laughs> that reminds me kind of different, but like, you know, hearing Stephen King speak, where he said that people will come to him all the time and be like, dude, you must be super dark. Like, you can never let it go, right? And he's like, actually, no. Like, I, I write for a few hours and I go and have dinner, you know, broccoli, whatever. I do a normal life. Um, it seems like it it would take a, a special person to be able to have those clear lines yes. so clearly. Yes. You know, I between think whatever terror to. and or the horror of death or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But in on the same side of saying that, as much as I think you would have to draw those lines for Stephen King, I feel like there's more of a natural one because it, a lot of times you're dealing with really dark murders yeah. and you know, psychos and things like that where you would say, Okay, that's not my real life. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're talking about a subject like yeah. marriage, if you have a long term relationship, you know, you're looking at that going eating that broccoli at dinner being like yeah about this yep (laughs) looking at that partner or thinking about that partner yeah yeah. i just wrote a scene about you (laughs) (laughs) i made you die 
I was holding your hand. It was terrible. And I'm not going to dedicate it to you either. It reminds me of when you wake up and you have dreams where doesn't Mike do something in the dream and then you're pissed at him for... This just happened a few weeks ago, and he was so annoyed. He's like, how am I getting in trouble for something I did in my dream? Because it felt real. Yeah, and I think it was because when we started the conversation, his response was off, and he's like, how am I supposed to respond to a fake mic? It's not even real. Fake mic's a dick. Yeah, I can't help it. Oh, oh Sorry. Yeah. Public apology. <laughs> Was that to Mike, a public apology, yeah, or to cool. our listeners? For everyone? Both. Okay. <laughs> I think Mike's going to get a lot of those yeah. as we keep, you yeah, know. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was good, though, um, that you Very mentioned. <laughs> Can't wait till I'm holding your hand yeah. and you're in a coffin. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was me, Mike. That was not your wife. I got that was all on so me. So dark. Yep. Speaking of Stephen King. <laughs> Huh. This feels like Ooh. a time for a transition. Sure does. <laughs> well, hey, I was going to say, though, yeah. that um, that was uh, a smart move of talking about, like, certain things that if you're reading this, you know, might be real big triggers for you. Mm-hmm. Um, feel the same way about, you know, the bell jar. If yeah. you're going through some real shit right now, it, it might not be the best thing to read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. a that's a good thing to say, and we we should say that just about this episode in general. I yeah. mean, we're we're saying things about when we feel down, but that that's not to say that these are things that are easily fixed or that people that are actually dealing with mental health issues Absolutely that it's not. as simple as getting your label maker out. Nope. Certainly not. No. Those are very different things, and so so while some of the picks that we did pick deal with that on the mm-hmm. same level, we know that that's a whole different can of worms. Absolutely. So yeah. We're we're in no way saying that this takes care of that. No. no, in fact, this may make it worse. Yes, yeah, and we. So yeah, no. So maybe turn it off now. Yeah, that feels like what we're saying, oh, doesn't God. it? We're bad at that. Why do we keep talking people out? Oh no! I mean, right. you threaten people, and oh, then now no. we're I saying stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no qualms about that. If you need your legs broke, you did something. Nowhere to go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, what'd you pick for the second one? Amy? Well, our nonfiction. Yeah. Pick slash. Good transition. Uh, yeah, Aaron. thanks. Nice. Did you like that change? Been working on it. Nice. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, for other genre of books, I chose "Citizen: An American Lyric" by Claudia Rankin, published mm-hmm. in 2014. Okay. Um, this is a book of sort of long form poetry. It's also a little bit of nonfiction. It's a lot of everything, really mashed up into this crazy, just ride of a book. Um, This is a story of a black woman living in the world. The everyday things like the small slips of language, the ways other bodies move around you, remarks, judgments, things that start adding up over time. You know, this cumulative effect of just, God, this is so annoying. This is so frustrating. This really hurts. Um, Also, the big things like watching the news of young black boys shot and their their mothers, you know, crying for them, watching the world freak out to the ways that Serena and Venus Williams dress and Mm -hmm. look and act. Um, One of the incredible things that she does in this is right in the second person. Mm. So it's you do this, you do this, you're the one experiencing this, which is so brilliant because then it puts you in the position, even if you are not a black person, even if you are not a person of color, it helps you get into that headspace a lot more. It's really remarkable then the effect that you feel. That is an interesting use of that. I don't see that. Yeah. Um, so this you that the writer is, is writing to, you're talking about the shitty things people have said and done and the kinds of like, did that just happen moments? Mm-hmm. Um, oblivious coworkers, trying too hard friends and dates. She talks about one friend that's just trying so hard and she calls her friend a nappy headed hoe. And, you know, the, the narrator here is just like, oh, come on. Like, really? No, that's yeah. not, nope. No. That's not how we base our friendship. Um, and also the pressure to ignore some of these small things that start adding up over time. Um, in fact, uh, she says, yes, and this is how you are a citizen. Come on, let it go. Move on. Mm. It explores what it means to be black in today's world. And this was written before the overt organized racists started coming back out and making themselves known. 
Um, so it's even more poignant today, mm-hmm. um, even more effing depressing mm-hmm. when it comes down to it, which is why I picked it. Um, you see how, you know, systemic racism is and has been, but also the wear and tear it takes on people. Mm-hmm. Um, the narrator here, she's just tired. The you that you're reading, you are just tired of this crap. Um, and you're just worn out from everything coming her way. And in fact, she says, the world is wrong. You can't put the past behind you. It's buried in you. It's turned your flesh into its own cupboard. Oh, wow. That's a, yeah, that's a great line. Right. She's a phenomenal writer. Like you can tell it's written in such a way that it, it feels like you're reading almost a normal book, but it's poetry. It is lyric poetry that is just gorgeous and beautiful and heart aching. Um, the, the reading experience, you know, besides just getting this sense of depression about the world mm-hmm. um, is that you, it puts you in that position of dealing with all that stuff. Plus um, besides the use of you, there's um, visual art, there's quotes from artists and critics, there's slogans, there's scripts for films. So it's all sorts of things put into this book oh, cool. um, and just makes it a, a really incredible reading experience. But yeah, one you're not going to enjoy mm. totally mm-hmm. when you think about it, you're going to you know feel pretty crappy about the state of the world. And about yeah. humanity. Yeah. But, you know, that could be said about a lot of our books that we pick. Yeah. If it comes true. down to it. That's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is very true. Yeah. So was there uh, one section you really, really liked or one format or? There was one, you know, I mentioned that she talks about um, Serena and mm-hmm. Venus Williams. There's a, a few pages in there where she talks about, um, I think Serena had won one of her many, 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 you know, competitions. Mm-hmm. And she shows a picture of a white tennis player from, I'm not sure which country, but from Europe, Mm -hmm. um, who had put stuffing into her underwear and into her bra to sort of emulate the curves that Serena has and started walking around the tennis court making fun of her. (gasps) She shows a picture of this in the book so you know exactly what is being talked about. And she's like, you know – in that section, she's like, you see this, you see this, and you start thinking about what it means kind of thing. It's it's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, that's awful. Yeah. Um, the cover of the book also, and I don't have it in front of me, but um, it has a hood. So it's sort of meant to simulate, you know, Trayvon Martin. Um, mm-hmm. This was being written around the Ferguson demonstrations against police. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, visuals like that as well that um, are probably quite triggering for a lot of people. Um, but she really dives into why, you know, why that image is the way it is. Mm-hmm. Wow. That yeah. sounds great. Yeah. It's wonderful. Sounds like a good pick. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, so my nonfiction pick is a book called So You've Been Publicly Shamed yes. by John Ronson. So I picked this book because... Well, one, John Ronson is, has, he's written other books, including a book called The Psychopath Test, which is also great. He's a frequent contributor to This American Life. Um, and this, this book was published in 2015. And it's not necessarily, you know, across the board, a sad, you know, depressing tale as much as it is just a sad, depressing commentary on society. Um, he writes with a lot of humor and the book reads really quickly. It's great for that. But, Um, It is just a, it's an interesting commentary about where we are, particularly in the social media age. So what happened is that four years ago, um, he wrote this book and he traveled around the world for three years prior to publishing it. And what he specifically sought out were people who were being publicly shamed as part of some scandal or transgression on their part. So, and he often met with them and interviewed them while their public shaming was happening. So there could be a variety of things. Like there was a um, young girl and a friend of hers who took like a selfie outside of a historic memorial and it came across as very not respectful. Mm -hmm. Um, And it went viral on social media. And, you know, so the backlash of that was that she lost her job and she couldn't, she had to basically move because she was getting death threats. She was getting, I mean, it was, it snowballed and did this whole big thing because essentially the whole point of the book is that since we've created this age where we can truly stay anonymous and created, you know, quote unquote, keyboard heroes that can say, oh, that's wrong. And I'm going to go after it without ever having to turn the lens back on themselves. We've created a world where we live in public shaming again. So back in the tar and feather, you know, public executions, those types of things, it's likened to that, except that what happens is these people's entire lives are just desecrated. I mean, 
to the point where there's almost no coming back for them to anything that was ever like it used to be. Mm -hmm. So he, and it kind of starts from, he starts at one end of the spectrum and kind of moves his way across. And he starts with people who, you know, whatever their transgression or scandal was that they didn't really have any response to it or just kind of ended up letting it bring them down. And he kind of moves slowly to people who have started to say, wait a minute, like, yes, I made a mistake, but is there someone here who hasn't Mm -hmm. and has tried to take a step forward and, and say, this is how we overcome that. So it's interesting how he kind of did that progression. And to be clear, he did not pick people who, you know, quote unquote, you could, you could probably get behind a public shaming. I mean, we're not talking about, you know, a mass person who committed a mass shooting or murder, kidnapping, you know, anything like that. That's a true crime that, you know, deserves to be answered for. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about in the court of public opinion, this is something that they decided was absolutely somebody needed to answer for it. So it's really interesting take on that. Um, and it, it's so interesting to think about it in today's day and age, because even though this was written four years ago, it just feels like nobody's learned anything. Absolutely. I mean, it just continues to happen. And we've hearkened back to this place where we're so sure that we're so right and we know all the answers that we feel confident telling someone else that they don't mm-hmm. or that they're not okay. So one of the parts that I loved in the book was uh, towards the end. And it's a quote from one of the people that he's interviewing. And he said, uh, he was talking about how detrimental it is to an individual to be put through this, you know, when their whole life is put out there and they have no choice but to basically crawl under a rock. The way we construct consciousness is to tell the story of ourselves to ourselves, the story of who we believe we are. I feel that a really public shaming or humiliation is a conflict between the person trying to write his own narrative and society trying to write a different narrative for the person. You have to find a way to disrespect the other narrative. If you believe it, it will crush you. Wow. And it's such a great kind of quote for the whole book Mm -hmm. because just how it all, you know, ties together. And as an, another interesting note on this book, um, I I think I believe in the first episode, my kind of other cultural pick was the podcast criminal. Yes. And they just did an episode a few weeks ago uh, called The Homewrecker. I listened to that one. Yes. And I it has, subscribed as soon as you recommended it. Of course just you so did, you know. Because you're my <laughs> <laughs> as we've talked about, now that we are introducing books to each other. We're adding them to our reading list. We're subscribing to podcasts. Mm-hmm. But yes, that episode was incredible. Right? It c- completely felt like this. Ties in. Yeah. So what happened in this episode is that there's, I'm going to back up, kind of tell the end of the story first. There was a gal who uh, took a selfie in front of Auschwitz, a concentration camp, and titled it, I believe, Concentration Camp Selfie with a smiley face. It was completely stupid. Yes. Terrible Terrible. thing to do. She It went viral Mm -hmm. and she was getting just tons of backlash. And she tried to defend herself by saying her her and her father had studied World War II together, which is then people were like, what is happening? So uh, anyway, this got put a local where this took place in in a town. The local news did a story on it and a realtor not related to this gal, not related to anyone in the story, wrote a comment that defended Mm -hmm. this person, that defended and said, hey, people do stupid things. It is what it is. It's okay. We need to let this go. Right. Like, it's a mistake. You know, let's move on. I'm sure she didn't mean to degrade, which is true of a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. You know, that wasn't their intention. Not at all. She was trying to help maybe... Although misguided, maybe a little bit ignorant, but to say that all of these things were done out of maliciousness is not true exactly and so she defends her so fast forward a few years and this realtor finds out that there's a post about her on a site called she's a homewrecker Mm -hmm. that is saying that she took a client and cheated with this client's husband in a house and is saying you should never use her no and she's like i don't even know who this client is And as a testament to her husband, who didn't believe it for a second, they kind of pair up together to figure this out because this absolutely ruined this realtor's business. She lost all of her clients. Mm -hmm. When you Google her, it's one of the first things that come up because other sites posted it. Mm -hmm. So when it all gets revealed at the end of it, it was the person, a person that was mad at that teenager for posting that 
saw that this realtor was the one who defended the teenager mm-hmm. and thought, well, she must be a neo-Nazi if she defended her. Right. And just took her down without any regard to the fact that you're doing the exact same thing. And so what, what was great about that episode is that it really showed a lot of how deep rooted this problem is. I mean, legally, what that you have, basically have no ramifications no. for search engines and it being indexed and being the first thing that comes up. It was... It was bananas. Yeah. The ability of shame to now just be spread so much further than it might have been than when we were just being held in stocks in the main square. Yes. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, to think – and he – John Ronson even comments about that author's note that he was maybe going to title the book Tarred and Feathered. (laughs) Because he's like, I mean, that's really what we're talking about, right? It is. I mean, this is really where we've gotten to. So I I think it's great. Um, I think it's written with a lot of humor. It's very entertaining. Um, It's really thought-provoking about our responsibility to each other, about how – what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to use technology responsibly? Um, But I I did feel – depressed. He's not offering a lot of hard and fast solutions. No. Um, it's just a real commentary on where we are mm-hmm. and what you really feel when you walk away is like, this is a huge problem it that I, I don't know how we make it right. No. So that's fun. <laughs> read the book. It's so you're going to have such a great No, I, I agree. I read this one as well, um, like a year or so ago. And I liked the fact that there were some very high profile, um, cases of this shaming that he brought in to mm-hmm. both illustrate, but then also talk to these people. Like the woman that made the the stupid joke about Africa. And then by the time her plane landed in oh, Africa, yes. she'd been booted and like millions of people Crazy. were just tearing her to shreds mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, it, it's, it's such a uh, interesting thing to see those stories, but then actually to talk the, to the people as well and find out the impact on their lives. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and I think it's great for anyone that has ever felt like they've made a mistake mm-hmm. because, and so that means it's good for everyone just to be Every clear. Every person. Everybody's made a mistake. Even podcasts made a mistake. And really I'd go one step further and say, if you think of your worst mistake ever and you posted that as a Facebook status, can you imagine what you'd get? And that's no. what we're dealing with. Exactly. So yeah. We've gotten so good at looking at the appearance of something and being sure that we know it better than somebody else right. that we've completely forgotten that, oh, you know what? I probably don't always say everything perfectly. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, maybe I shouldn't, you know, to use a really old phrase, throw rocks at glass houses. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. How old are you? <laughs> 11. <laughs> 91. <laughs> That sounds more accurate. Yep. Yep. <laughs> What's the other one? Like, oh. oh, there's one about a stick in your eye, isn't there? The, oh, like, yeah. Man, we're I'll getting into this sliver when you take that stick out of your eyes. Oh, good <laughs> Lord. That's not it. No, I'm thinking more of like my grandma's advice is like, take the stick out of your ass, which is oh. way different. <laughs> way different. Grandma Jody. <laughs> Don't know what it is. That's going to drive me nuts. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> it's not quite that. No, not quite that. But that's okay. Well, you get the idea. Yeah. Just I mean, we've don't. been in- inventing words. Now we're inventing phrases. Yeah. If you Why got not? a sliver, you sh- certainly shouldn't be pointing out a stick <laughs> in someone's eye or ass. So <laughs> I think that's what exactly. everyone needs to know. Right. And I really think that's what he was talking about. <laughs> so brought it home, nailed it. <laughs> Well done, Aaron. Well done. I feel good about the work I just did. <laughs> not at all dreading this oh, episode. Oh, God. No, out. not at all. Not at all. Okay, so transition. Yes, Amy. transition. <laughs> Let's get back to being sad. Oh, um, great. And I've got a good one for you. Oh, it's a musician. Hit me with your best shot. His name, it's not Pat Benatar. His oh. name is Elliot Smith. Oh. Yeah. Mm. So let's preface this by saying that Elliot Elliot Smith killed himself in 2003 at the age of 34 by stabbing himself. So there's no happy ending to this story. He was a deeply troubled man. Um, And his music shows that it is not happy. 
It's dark. It's pained. It's desperate. It's bleak, but it's also funny. It's also gorgeous. It is just, it's incredible. Um, and here's where you may know Elliot Smith. Um, his music was all over the movie Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, he appeared at the 1998 Oscars singing Miss Misery, the song that goes over the end credits of Goodwill Hunting. And he looked completely miserable while doing it in his like white suit and just like, Oh dear God, what am I doing here? Kind oh. of thing. Um, in all, Elliot created six albums. They are all just masterworks, in my opinion. Every day I'm one. I found Elliot through Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched that movie when I was in college, and I just fell in love with Elliot Smith um, and became kind of obsessed. Um, he has this haunting voice, and you know he plays guitar, he plays multiple instruments, and they're all working together with that voice to just create some real damn depressing mm-hmm. music that's just gorgeous and beautiful. Um, he did have drug problems stemming from deep depression. It was said that he had endured sexual abuse at his stepfather's hand. So like mm-hmm. I said, very deeply troubled. It was also kind of inspiring in a way though, to see him use music to deal with all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately by doing music, he then gained more access to drugs. He he was able to sort of self-medicate and create or make some of his existing problems worse. But for a time, I imagine, you know, having that outlet, that creative outlet is um, enormous. You know, one thing we talked about at the beginning, how we get out of Mm -hmm. feeling rough, feeling sad. Sometimes um, writing helps me do that. Um, Sometimes it's either writing creative stuff, it's writing in a journal. Sometimes it's doing another form of creating, you Mm -hmm. know, painting, coloring, whatever, just something to kind of make your brain work a little bit differently Mm -hmm. helps a little bit. Um, you know, I was going to ask you because there's something fascinating about sad music like yeah. this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you're feeling sad and you listen to it, it's almost like this echo chamber that keeps coming back to you, you know, like, <laughs> oh, that's a good um, description. Yeah. but at the same time, sometimes if you hear it in the right place, it's can be kind of cathartic too and yes. healing, mm-hmm. right? What mm-hmm. do you think that is that like, sometimes it just makes it worse. Sometimes it helps you. Do you think it's where you're, you're coming from? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's the type of music. I mean, I think, you know, as an avid reader, I, I'm often drawn to the lyrical part of mm-hmm. music. And Definitely. so I, de- in fact, so much so that I find have a hard time listening to music when I'm doing other things because I catch Definitely. myself concentrating on what they're trying to say. Uh, so I think a lot of times I, because I'm a, a reader, I'm always looking for, okay, what are they trying to say here? And then I'm relating it to my own life. So when you have that feeling and then you find a song that connects with it, it just feels like, oh gosh, I was right? meant to hear this right yes. now. Yeah. And I think, but then it can do the same, which is kind of what we said about some, why I avoid some really emotional things when I'm feeling, you know, a little bit on the edge myself is because I don't, I don't want to be reminded of more, right. you know, I mean, yeah. it's kind of like misery loves company. You exactly. want to, I want you to reflect what I'm feeling at this moment, but I can't take in on anymore. Mm-hmm. Like empathy overload. Yes. Don't give me any more problems, but if you come sit in mine, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's company to a limit. Yeah. Like we want. Company yeah. on my terms. <laughs> Maybe that's what this whole mm-hmm. episode really comes down to is, mm-hmm. you know, picking the things that help you feel miserable if you want to, help you get out of it if you don't. Probably not the latter, but, you know, yeah. misery on your terms. Yeah. Misery on your terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. And strangely enough, which must say something about that, that question is that I also picked a music pick for Did my you? other. Yeah. Yeah. And I think partially because I was kind of clicking through TV shows I've watched and movies. And I'm yeah. like, man, I, there's none of these fit. Cause that's not what I do nope. in that, in that time. So it didn't really work for me. But, um, I, so although this is a movie, so, and I will say it does fit, but I picked this, a star is born soundtrack. Oh, damn. Yeah. yeah. The one, the Oof. recent one, Bradley Cooper, oh, Lady Gaga. Yeah. The movie itself is oh, awesome. Gosh. I mean, if you want to go and be delighted and then just decimated, Dashed. Yeah, just dreams and hopes on mm-hmm, the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should definitely go see it. For sure. And honestly, go see it's it either way. Yeah, it really I mean, that was a terrible description, but it's fantastic. <laughs> but it's true. Oh, it's so good. You're yeah. up and you're down. down. And you don't get back and you up. You end down. Yeah, you end yeah. down. It's a definitely on a down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the soundtrack is amazing. Uh, the music in it is great. Um, even if you're familiar with it from other versions or because you've heard it on the radio, I would really say get the soundtrack. And here's why. Because if you get the movie version of the soundtrack, they put snippets of dialogue in certain songs, which is amazing and also 
so haunting and terrifying oh. because you hear the voice. I don't want to give away the ending, but you hear things and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm right back there. And you just, oh, yeah, it's rough. It's yeah. so rough. And particularly the song, I'll Never Love Again, which is at the end. Oh man, so much. Just so much. Which the title alone tells you what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great, this is one that I enjoy when I'm in that mood because I, I often like to sing along and I can stand in oh, the shower yeah. forever and sing and particularly if everyone's gone that's yeah. great because then i can really get into it for sure because car. let's be honest neither of us are lady gaga we don't have those pipes no, but no. in the shower hell yeah we are in the shower i'm lady gaga for mm-hmm. sure i'm singing I, in that the voice part of shower part, yeah. i'm doing all the voices oh i'm doing i yeah i do both mm-hmm. parts mm-hmm. i'm doing bradley cooper <laughs> and lady gaga i think i'm probably better at bradley which is Cooper's my range part. yeah yeah that's range right there it's bradley sure cooper is. And Lady Gaga in one. <laughs> also do it in my car, which is why I drive. Oh, yeah. I try to drive in not areas that are very populated. Mm, I like when I'm on the freeway and I'm just rocking it Getting out it. to, let's say, you know, an 80s hit. Like, uh, you know, Flock of Seagulls, something or other. No reason. Nailing it. Nailing it. And then I see someone looking at me. I'm like, you're just seeing greatness right yeah. now. That's what you're seeing. You're just jealous that you're not in here mm-hmm. getting some of this. Here in song. Iran, so far away. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that, I think it's great for that. I think it's great. You could probably do it both ways. You could probably use it both ways. I particularly use it when I'm kind of down and because that's that movie just really reminds me of that feeling. Yeah. And I think anybody that's had uh, a relationship where, you know, there's struggles, which is every relationship you can relate to so many parts of that movie. Uh, you know, it's just it was so well done. It was. You're right. There's mm. so many parts of the movie, especially where like, God, you made a poor decision. Mm hmm. Yeah, and you want to be so mad. And it kind of goes with the book. You've been public yes. shame because, you know, you want on the face to be so upset and to say, gosh, that was a terrible idea. But on the flip side, you're like, you know what, man, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. It's okay. Come back. <laughs> Sing that song again. Play the piano some more. Something. Get on stage. Your magic together. Something. Oh, man. So, Did you see the Oscars one? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Talk yeah. about – I mean, I don't want to add more fuel to the fire because I don't think either of them were very happy about the rumors, but – Probably definitely not Bradley Cooper's girlfriend. Probably but, not. Probably not. But – I mean, they're good actors. That's what you can say. <gasps> they channel – the chemistry is undeniable. The chemistry is undeniable, which made the movie even better. Which is why the movie yeah, was amazing. it was wonderful. Yeah. And I read in uh, an interview that Bradley Cooper actually championed for Lady Gaga to be in this movie, that there was some hesitation and he was like, no, she's the one. Like, this is it. Because he Smart had met man. her. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah, I can't picture anyone else playing no. it. And I can't, from the music, you could not hear anybody else's voice. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Even if you haven't really seen the movie, yeah. the soundtrack would blow you away. And then you would want to see the movie. Yeah. you One, it's like the chicken or the egg. Mm-hmm. Movie, soundtrack, soundtrack, movie, doesn't matter. It's going to happen. Both. And by the way, if you've been at a Starbucks in any time in the last three months, you've heard this song, Shallow. <laughs> so just do yourself a favor. Go out. See what, why it's playing every 15 minutes. And watch the movie. That reminds me that after I saw the movie, I heard it. Uh, actually, we've taken the kids to a pumpkin patch for Halloween. Oh, okay. And like they had a uh, stereo that they were, you know, pumping music in and that song was on. And I was like, wait a minute. I was so confused because I don't normally listen to just mainstream radio. And right. so I was like, what? Who did you see the movie? I was so confused. And I like, yeah. no, this is a popular song. I was like, what? No, it's from this movie. You don't understand. Without context, like, yeah. yes, it's a good song, but it makes so much – it's so much better in the context yes. of the movie. Yeah. Yes. Just so chills. much better. Yeah, chills. chills. That's, I felt like I was having this crazy out-of-body experience. I was like, no, you don't get it. Did you see the movie? This is – you're not you're trivializing this while we're watching people pick pumpkins. <laughs> so jarring. So you were the mom freaking out oh, yeah. over their music choice. Yeah. Well, it was an mm. older lady, so I really couldn't say mm. that I was momming her, but okay. we were having kind of a weird moment, and then I yeah. moved on. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a good interaction. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that was about the point that Mason like clotheslined someone on the jump pad, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I gotta go. I, that's fine. <laughs> he just did you a favor. Yeah. He's, he's like, oh, mom's he's getting like, awkward. Well, yeah. <laughs> Let's end this. I got your back, mom. <laughs> I'm just going to save you real quick. Drag you out. <laughs> and he's age. Yeah, uh, five, five tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do I think your children are younger than I'm trying to make me less old? Is oh, the problem. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you know, a couple episodes back, I told you your son Evan was like nine. <laughs> you're like, nope, eleven going on twelve. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's right. fine. I did I didn't feel bad about it. I didn't want to believe it. 
No. That's it. I know. I know. It just goes too fast. It goes too fast. Mm-hmm. And no. not e- I'm not even, you know, around them all the time. No, it's true. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a little more information about me than sure everyone was. needed. Yep. Okay. We're getting really good at these transitions, I feel oh, like. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. We are excellent at them. So good. Man. Speaking of. <laughs> that's me. brings <laughs> That was speaking of what that are we doing natural, next? Super natural. Well, we've gone through all our picks though. We have. Yeah. So okay, we helped you stay in whatever mood you want this week. And if that mood was deep depression, we are keeping you there. Absolutely. Um, and that is the end of our episode, Misery Loves Company. Uh, you can look forward to another great episode dropping next Wednesday and every Wednesday on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Absolutely. And in the meantime, you can head to our website, broadsandbooks.com, to check out all the recommendations we made in this episode, as well as one bonus pick. That's right. Every episode, either Amy or I picks one extra pick that is only revealed on our website. And God, are they high quality. So good. I mean... Don't... The ending that just happened... It's yeah. like a hundred times better than that. So yeah. much better than mm-hmm. that real awkward transition that we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, surprise. There's also some bonus material on our website too. And if you haven't listened to this, if you haven't made your way to the website and found our bonus material, it's a delight. It is. I mean, seriously, you're going to you're gonna like it. Yeah, you really will. And you can also check out our Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Give us feedback. Let us know items you might want to hear about in future episodes. If you have a comment, we'll take it. We will. Absolutely. As long as they're positive. Right. If they're negative, let's remember the public shaming book. <laughs> All right. Let's just keep that let's remember in mind. the tactics we discussed. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, if you are the creative type and you have a great idea for a future theme or episode, let us know that too. You can find links to all of our social media accounts and our email at broadsandbooks.com. Also, we need a favor. We do. That's true. For this great entertainment that we're providing you, we ask nothing. We really don't. We just ask for your ears. Yeah. And now we need your fingers (laughs) to do a little (laughs) tippity typing. (laughs) We need a review. We need some tippity typing. We need some tip top typers Mm -hmm. to give us some reviews. (laughs) Wherever you listen to podcasts, go. You click that five star because I know that's what it is. Well, yeah. Obviously. And then go ahead and write out what you like about it. It's easy. Mm Mm-hmm. One, two, three. Right. Done. Tippity typing. Tippity. <laughs> tippity typing. <laughs> we are excited to hear from you, especially when you're tippity typing. Yes. And excited to be back every week. Until next time, that is it for us. Happy reading. I'm up again. Same night, another dream. Before trying this recording thing, I didn't remember much of anything of these dreams. I didn't remember much from any of the women. And one night of doing this, and it's broken things open. The dreams are, they're in me, and they're they're coming out of me, and... Talk to me. I am not broken. I am the most whole, most real. Their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams? Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman. 
wherever you listen to podcasts.